You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to another edition of Locked On Indians. This is your host, Jeff Ellis, 24-7 Sports. Um, on today's show, you know, it's the offseason, so we're a bit limited in things we can talk about. I kind of wanted to swing back our focus to the Indians. I spent a lot of time talking about the postseason. Um, when the postseason advances around, we'll get back and do it again. But I thought what would make the most sense this week is we talk about the Arizona Fall League. The Indians have some players there. The importance, the unimportance, why they send guys there, stuff like that. Um, we'll talk about the players for the first half of the show. The second half, I kind of want to go through all the minor league systems. It's, we're done, right? We are done with the minors and just kind of talk about what happened at each level. Not necessarily, I mean, yes, the players, but, you know, um, for instance, we're going to start with Mahoning Valley. George Valera is the number two, maybe number three prospect and system for me. Uh, but we're not going to look at what he did anywhere other than Mahoning Valley. We're going to focus on the level. I'm going to do the thing where I talk about five best prospects down there from my point of view, etc. Uh, I was going to start with Arizona, but since we're doing the Fall League um, and the Indians... So the Indians have really expanded. If you go back to 2009, the, which was a decade ago, the Indians had an Arizona Indians team. Starting in 2010, they had Arizona and Dominican Indians. Starting in 2018, they had Arizona Indians, Arizona Indians 2, and Dominican Indians. And then this year, they expanded to Arizona 1, Arizona 2, Arizona Blue, Arizona Red. So they're really investing those teams in that area. And it also means there's a lot to talk about. So when it comes time to talk about the Arizona level, the rookie level, which is a lot of players I'm not going to be super familiar with, to be honest, um... That's going to be one that's going to be a full show podcast because there's so much to talk about. But let's skip past all that and talk about the Arizona Fall League. So the Indians uh, sent five players to the Arizona Fall League, or I'm sorry, six players to the Arizona Fall League. The way this works is it's basically extended time. It's a chance for some guys to keep playing. Statistics typically never matter. Um, Some guys do tear it up and then go on and tear it up the next year. More often than not, someone tears it up and it nothing comes of it. It is a hitter-friendly environment. Pitchers tend to struggle. It's all about more reps. That's it. End of the day, what is most important about Arizona Fall League is it's more reps for players. And it's a last chance to get a look at some players. Um, You know, let's say there's a player you're waffling if you're going to add him on the 40-man who needs to be added. It gives you another chance to see this player perform. The kind of help you make a decision if you're going to extend that spot to them. Speaking of the 40-man, I realized that I had made a mistake. Um, Matt Thinker, who I've known dating back to when we were Indians prospect insider before we were even Indians baseball insider, uh, met him at a Lake County game like almost a decade ago. Real nice guy. Uh, He pointed out that I forgot to mention Scott Moss on the 40-man podcast, which is probably true, uh, but kind of crazy because I've been talking about from the moment they got Scott Moss that he is someone who is going to be 40-man eligible. And if they liked him enough to get him, I'm sure they would keep him over, um, you know, a Cam Hill, maybe a Jose Fermin, or possibly a Tyler Olson. In my perfect world, they would let go Ty Olson and keep... uh, Scott Moss. You know, Moss is a left-handed pitcher, was a reliever at Florida, went up to double-A with the Reds. Uh, Cleveland got him. He spent a little time at double-A, and they quickly moved him to triple-A. The Reds hired um, Kyle Bodie from Driveline Baseball this week uh, because they're so bad at minor league development. They added Derek Johnson last year. He left the Brewers to go to the Reds, and he is phenomenal as a pitching coach. He uses a lot of advanced thoughts, and you saw that on the major league level where all of a sudden – 
Luis Castillo and a bunch of guys took a step forward. The Reds' weakness was supposed to be pitching. It was not. Um, I mean, they weren't perfect, but they have a really good staff heading into next year. They're going to be a fun team to watch. Their problem, though, was still pitching development, and they had a Stone Age view of it. So they go out and they add um, Kyle Bodie, and it's going to be a great thing for them. I don't see any way this isn't a great move by the Reds. Um, they're, they're being very smart. I've been very hard on the Reds, but they're being very smart in the people they add. And this will help a team that's pitching development is some of the worst in baseball. But the Indians went out and got Scott Moss before this. You get a left-hander who comes from one of the great college pitching programs where they were so loaded, even though he had a starter's profile, he had to be a reliever. He got stretched out by the Reds, put up good but not great numbers, and I'm sure the Indians think they can get more. So Scott Moss is definitely going to be added to the team. Um, Who doesn't get added? So you kind of look at my final cuts. Mike Freeman, Tyler Olson, uh, Juan Carlos Mejia, Sam Henkes, Jose Fermin, Cam Hill. Um, honestly, I think it's Cam Hill for Scott Moss because uh, they didn't add Cam Hill to the 40-man. He's a guy you maybe try to slide through because he has had injury history. This was kind of a breakout year. He is older. Um, Moss being a lefty, you're not going to slide him through. So updated 40-man for me with, again, shout-out to Matt Thinker for think, uh, pointing this out to me. Moss in, Cam Hill out. So... There we go. We are now up to date with uh, my 40-man thoughts. Back to the Arizona Fall League. So the Indians sent six pitchers out. Six pitchers. They sent four pitchers. They sent six players. Um, Kirk McCarthy, the left-hander, who was a seventh-round pick in 2017, he was hurt, missed time this year. That's why they sent him out. Uh, former quarterback. They do love their quarterbacks. It's you know This always gets brought up because his uh, offensive coordinator in high school at quarterback was Brett Favre. But uh, a nice lefty who put up some good numbers before he got hurt. Best outcome, left-hand reliever. We'll have to see. Uh, Jonathan Tini always had some pretty good stuff. He had performed well in the minors, um, but he's struggling in Arizona. Um, he was a 20th-round pick from San Diego. Uh, I'll get to Manuel Alvarez and Argentus Angulo in a bit. Uh, side foot Gavin Collins, who was a catcher from Mississippi State. He's played catcher in first base. I remember talking to someone before they went on to be a, a person in the Pirates organization, and, and he was one of those guys that they were kind of intrigued by. He's always intriguing because he does some things well. You're like, oh, maybe he's a chance he could be a catcher. There's some raw power potential. You know, he has a, he has a good eye at the plate, but it never has come together with him. So it's just another chance to look at him. Ernie Clement, uh, arguably the Indians' top prospect out there, he, he is what he is. He's a backup. He's a plus runner, can handle anywhere on the infield, doesn't hit enough, has no power, um, some of the worst power in system, doesn't walk enough, doesn't really bring any tool to be a starter, but there's a role for him as a backup. Can play anywhere in the infield, can be a pinch runner, uh, does a lot of things while he doesn't strike out very much, uh, good about coming into a situation where you need someone to make contact, that's him limitations but as long as you know his strengths you can see how there's a definite road for him to the majors so there's two pitchers let's talk about Argenis Angulo uh, big guy 6'3 225 when I saw him this year in Akron he looked bigger than that he is going to turn 26 in February rule 5 eligible he bounced between double and triple a this year and he bounced between double and triple a um, in you know 2018 and in 2016 he got a few reps in there this past season he, uh, when you just look at the the, the raw numbers, he, he missed a lot of bats. Uh, more specifically in double than triple A. His walk rate was still an issue. He's doing well in Arizona. Um, 
I don't know what the end game with him on the roster is. Maybe you're trying to get another look at him. Maybe you're hoping that someone's going to look at him and um, target him. That might sound weird to phrase it like that. But if you are someone who you have this big pitcher who kind of fits the stereotype of what you want a pitcher to be, maybe you send out Angulo hoping that a team is going to, instead of drafting from the Rule 5, taking someone that you're maybe a bit higher on, they go for you know someone who fits the mold. Um, I don't think uh, he's really someone that's on the bubble for being added to the Indians at this point. One of our sponsors for this postseason, one of our, you know, specifically for this postseason, has been Vivid Seats. Remember, if you go to Vivid Seats, you use their app, and uh, you use the promo code postseason, you're going to save up to $100 on your tickets. Uh, Vivid Seats, and that's why they're, you know, specifically our postseason uh, tie-in, because they're using postseason for this. If Wherever you want to go, whatever you want to see, Vivid Seats is the place to go. And what makes them special amongst any place you could go and get your seats is they have a loyalty program, so you're going to earn credit back. Um, there's In the month of August, they had double credit back from 10 to 16% on all purchases. So it's this whole idea that anywhere you go, you're earning value back by your purchase. So not only are you seeing what you want to see, you're getting something back from that. Uh, all of their seats are 100% buyer guaranteed. You don't have to worry about someone uh, selling you something that uh, won't allow you to get in. Everything is backed by them. Everything is trusted by them. And they're the only place you can go that is going to give you that feedback, that uh, loyalty program. So remember, you're going to go to Vivid Seats and you can download the app and use our promo code postseason. So whatever you want to see, doesn't matter what it is, Vivid Seats is going to have it there. So go to Vivid Seats, download the app, promo code postseason, and you're going to save up to 100 bucks on whatever tickets you're purchasing. You're not going to find a better deal during this month of October. Vivid Seats, promo code postseason. Our first sponsor was Blue Chew, and they continue to support this show. By now, you know all about Blue Chew, just like I know all about Blue Chew. Um, it is the little blue pill that is different from all the others because it's chewable, which means if you've ever had to take any medication, anything you chew gets into your blood screen, blood screen, blood stream quicker. So you go over to Blue Chew. Blue, wow, sorry, Blue Chew. I am butchering your ad read today. Go over to BlueChew.com. You're going to use the promo code MLB, and you can try the product for free. You're just going to pay the five bucks for shipping. Um, but you can see what it's all about. You can give it a try. This is your chance. If you've ever been curious, if you ever wanted to see what it's like to try mail enhancement, BlueChew.com promo code. MLB. And you can see what all the hype is about. You can see why they are so successful. They've been able to stay a sponsor for the entire season. And I want to thank everyone who has gone there because it's thanks to you that they've continued to stay a sponsor of this podcast. They support us. Please support them. So there's one player I left off at the beginning of all this Arizona Fall League chat and probably the most interesting one on the list to me by far. That's Manuel Alvarez. Now, I'll be honest, when I saw his name, I'm like, Manuel Alvarez? And then I looked up his stats, because that's always the first thing I did. He's been pitching in the Indian system for two years, and he is already turned 24 years of age in September. So you're like, what? Only two years? Uh, He's from the Dominican Republic. The Indians did a very unusual thing with him, which is they signed him at the age of uh, 21. Now, that doesn't happen. Typically, you know, that's why Fausto Carmono... I'm struggling with his name. Let's just go with Fosto. You know who I mean. Became Roberto Hernandez. That's why players lie about their age, because often, if you're not 16, 17, 18, you're not getting looked at. So the fact that Indians signed him at 21 years of age immediately makes him an interesting name. The fact that at 24 years of age, he's only pitched two years in the minors, 
so you dig into the story even more. He was an all-star this year for Lake County and eventually got promoted up to uh, Lynchburg. He, he uh, struggled significantly more there. Numerically, he didn't miss a lot of bats. Or I'm sorry, he did miss a lot of bats. Uh, specifically this year, his strikeout rates all took a, a, a leap, but his walk rates were uh, also pretty brutal. So we're seeing the ability to miss bats, but also some struggles with control. But there's a reason for that. Um, here's a kid who didn't even start playing baseball till he's 14. You know, he's six foot three, 200 pounds. He was a basketball player. Uh, when the Indians signed him, he was a outfielder. He was viewed, uh, that's what he was kind of showing himself off as. So he's an older prospect, hasn't been playing the game that long, and has only been pitching for about three years. So that's why the Indians have uh, sent him out there. He just needs more reps. They want to see what he can do. They're going to keep working with him. Uh, but his fastball is already in mid-90s, uh, developing slider. Just an interesting kid to follow. It's an interesting story. It's an interesting progress for him. But yeah, he's uh, 24 years old, pitching for three years, playing baseball for a decade, and uh, he's already up to Lake County, or Lake County, Lynchburg, and I'm sure he'll start the season there next year. If he continues to improve, he should be in Akron before we know it. Uh, not a Rule 5 guy, which is unusual. A lot of times we kind of see that in, in players, but he gets sent out to Arizona. It's kind of that last opportunity, but he falls into the other category, which is just a player that needs to get more reps. So now that we've talked about Arizona, we'll dive back in at some point, I'm sure. Um, so it, for those keeping track, Ernie Clement, name to watch, uh, Manuel Alvarez, most interesting player. So let's talk about Mahoning Valley. It's the short season team. It's where you see a lot of players who were college picks this year, 2019, and were high school picks in 2018. So you kind of go through the big names down here. Uh, Byron Okoyo, who was on par with uh, George uh, Valera in terms of big-name players, high school kids or really young players in the system like Jonathan Rodriguez, Raynell Delgado, uh, Corey Holland were all bigger bonus players uh, the Indians signed. Will Brennan was a pick from this year. Brian Levestito was a day-three pick they went over slot to get. Those names kind of stood out. Uh, Carlos Vargas is one of those guys who heard a ton of hype about, and he slowly but surely improved over the course of the season. He's still going to be someone to watch. Um, Liam Jenkins got a, a lot of opportunities. I was kind of surprised by how much they tried him as a starter. He is, uh, he's just interesting, interesting path to where he is. Ethan Hankins was down there. Matt Turner was down there. It, it was, for a long time, the most interesting team in the Indians minor league system. We talked about Cam Hill. He even spent some time down there. But let's get into it. So... If we just, let's talk about the names. Uh, Brian Rocoyo uh, is a up-the-middle guy, still developing, more viewed, more talked about for his defense than his offense. You're hoping that the offense will blossom and bloom. I've seen places where he's considered one of the top 100 prospects in all of baseball, but if you know me, I'm not as high on guys who haven't performed yet. Uh, I just, I don't buy into things in the lower minors alone. Uh, I need to see performance, uh, plus talent reports, plus... Uh, you know, at higher levels. Uh, Aaron Bracco was also in that group, and he got a little bit of time up there. He was hurt, uh, and that pushed him back. Uh, Jonathan Engelman we'll talk about more later, an interesting upside guy from Michigan. Will Brennan was drafted as a two-way player, backup, like fourth outfielder or left-handed reliever. He did not pitch uh, down there for them, but someone to watch going forward, as they said, two-way player when he was drafted. He's not really good enough to be good at either, uh, but good enough to be passable at both, which is probably what it's going to take for a two-way player, because if you're, it's going to be hard to be 
Aton, I can't say, the Angels outfielder from Japan slash starter, because it just it's so much wear and tear over the course of a long season. So you want a guy who's more specialized, and that's what Brennan could be. Uh, George Valera, just uh, low batting average, and that's, you know, we'll see. Uh, walked a lot, but struck out a lot. If he falls apart, if he doesn't turn into what people are hoping, it's because he's going to strike out too much. He, the fact that he walks, and there is the power helps balance it out, um, but that's what we're going to watch with him. It's like, will he make enough positive contact to make it work? Can he continue to refine his game? If I'm saying he's one of the top three prospects in the system, I obviously believe in him. Reynaldo Delgado, I was a little disappointed in performance. Uh, really high strikeout, walk rate wasn't there. A lot of bad indicators for him, and I loved that pick a year ago. Uh, Jonathan Rodriguez was another guy who, he's coming along very slowly, was one of the youngest players in his draft class, uh, walking not at a great rate. It's a passable. Same thing with um, Delgado. High strikeout rate, very young, lots of raw power, name to watch. Corey Holland was a son of a hitting coach. Really high strikeout rate. Didn't really make enough contact, but he did walk a lot. Again, we'll see. And then, kind of for me, the the guy this year, offensively, for Mahoning Valley, and the guy who really stood out to me above the others because I just wasn't expecting it, Byron, Byron, Brian Levestita. Day three pick, they went over slot, like 20 or 30K to sign catcher so he's working on uh, learning extremely difficult posi- uh, position he walked nearly as much as he struck out high walk rate limited strikeout rate which is good only two home runs but 19 doubles led the team in that category so there could be some power to come there's a lot of reasons to look at him and go this is a guy we have to pay attention to position lack of experience the fact that he won't even turn 21 until november you know the indians drafted him out of uh, junior college uh, I believe after his freshman year in junior college, because, yeah, he would have been a sophomore, and then he would have been, yeah, so freshman out of his JUCO. And he came in and was good last year and rookie ball, but with Mahoning Valley, he really took it a step forward and excelled pretty much across the board offensively. He's going to get bigger, going to get stronger, going to learn the position. But uh, he, what he did offensively, he was the best offensive performer down there. I mean, yes, other guys might have hit for more power, hit for higher average, walked more. But when you look at the big picture of things, uh, of anybody with more than 10 at-bats, he was first in the team in OPS. Like, that stands out for uh, La Vestida, at least from my point of view. Pitching-wise, I talked about Vargas. It was a really ugly start, but he started to get together. Walkout rate, walkout rate? <laughs> Walk rate under three, strikeout rate over eight. Uh, Ethan Hankins got the promotion after he was just, I mean, no one could touch his stuff. Hit rate of barely over five, strikeout rate over ten. Talked about Matt Turner, the former 11th round pick, very low walk rate. The, the profile of the Indians have had a lot of success with. Uh, hasn't missed enough bats, but young kid, hopefully they can continue to develop him. Liam Jenkins, who I talked about as a starter, barely pitched at Louisville in 2018. Day three pick, he's six foot eight. he's huge. Uh, lots of command problems in college. The fact that he was only walking uh, 4.8 per nine is actually a pretty steady improvement for him. He's kind of a challenge pick. We'll see what the Indians can do, but uh, there's tools to definitely like with him in terms of just velocity and um, rawness and what you can turn him into. Hunter Gaddis, the pick from this year, came in there and missed bats at a pretty high rate over his uh, 15 innings. Same with Daniel Espino, just 10 innings, but uh, he was he was very high in the strikeouts. 
Uh, Espino had a few more walks, and people were able to hit him. Gaddis was pretty much untouchable over his uh, his six innings. So those two picks from this year are something to watch. It is interesting how aggressive they were with the Espino promotion. If you listen to my talk on him, while I was not a huge fan of the pick, I said he would move a lot quicker than a high school arm. There's nothing to, in terms of his stuff, he doesn't need a lot of development, just refinement. Everything's pretty maxed out where it is right now, which could cause him to move quickly. I wasn't as high on Gaddis, but uh, it, the inter- Indians had an interesting approach of drafting guys who excelled in the Cape and maybe had down years um, in season. They weren't alone in that. You could see the Houston Astros did something similar, and the Astros are pretty much lapping the field in terms of advanced thoughts, so there's worse things to do than uh, be grouped with the Astros for a thought process. So let's go ahead and do our top 10 prospects at the level at this point for the Indians. Now, general rules for this for me is if you are a hitter, you had to appear in 20-plus games. Sorry, uh, Bracco, Engelman, and such. If you're a pitcher, I wanted 15 innings. I base this on the fact that the uh, if someone appeared in more than 10 games, the smallest amount of pitches they or innings they had was 15.2. Sorry, Daniel Espino. So... With those set forth, here are the top 10 guys to know. In reverse order, number 10, Corey Holland. A rough year for him, but they gave him a lot of money and believed in him, and it is kind of his first look at this level of competition. We'll see where it goes. Number 9, Jonathan Rodriguez. Young kid, power potential, still coming into his own. Uh, Was able to hold his own, not excel, but not, uh, not struggle as well. At number 8, we have Matthew Turner, the starter. Not missing enough bats. Still very young, though, left-handed, showing good control and command for the level. Seven, Hunter Gaddis. Barely made the cut of 15.2 innings. Really good innings look there. And I've already talked about Gaddis. It'll be interesting to follow him. Number six, Raynel Delgado. Uh, I was huge on him as a draft pick a year ago. We'll see what happens. Again, young kid, first time facing college-level performers. For a lot of these guys like Delgado, Holland, Rodriguez, they're 19-year-old 19 years old and they're facing 21, 22 year olds. They're facing much more just physically developed humans. Now we get into the fun stuff. Top five. Brian Rocchio. I went and looked up how to pronounce it. Uh, defense first. Young kid. We'll see how he develops. Very young. It could be low. Carlos Vargas made some big steps forwards this year. There were some point people who thought he could end up the best pitcher in the system at the start of the year. Three, Brian Levestida. I've talked about him in depth. High level production at catcher. Number two, Ethan Hankins. Uh, former first-round pick, lots of potential, missed a ton of bats, and George Valera won. I don't think I need to say any more there. So thank you all for listening, following through, uh, subscribing, reviewing. That is all huge for this show as we continue to go through the postseason. I'm already setting up some some talks, some interviews. We'll have some guests. We'll find some ways to dive in the history of the Indians and things to make this a little more fun. Thank you for listening, and as always, go Tribe.